For the first time in four or five weeks, we actually have a Monday now. You may not have noticed we've skipped, uh, skipped Mondays over the past four weeks since we've not been recording the podcast or releasing it. Uh, but yeah, it's Monday, April 14th, 2014, and you're listening to Size Matters, episode 19.5. I'm, I'm your host, Quandry Bashir. I'm your co-host, Kenson Shimovi. And then joining us for our uh, filling in the spot that still kind of smells a little bit like dragon and uh, uh-huh. probably has uh, some some you know stomped uh, destructive uh, uh, cities at the at the feet of it. Ooh, uh, we have. Can I do the drum roll now? What was that? Go. Can I do the drum roll? Sure. Go. Our new co-host, Benny Tiger. Yeah. Yay! It's me. And and yeah. this is. A- he had a really uncomfortable chair. Maybe that's why he was Aww. angry. You know, um, I think that mm-hmm. uh, we we sent the Ergo guy over to his place, and I think he ate the Ergo guy. So oh, you know, um, that's probably would explain that. It, it was definitely the day a dragon of our thing. ergonomic. It was the day of our ergonomic episode too. How ironic. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, Benny. If uh, you know, you've been on the show. Uh, well, about two months, three months ago at this point, back at the beginning of January. Wow, was that uh, long ago? I think so. Yeah, yeah it was because, yeah. Uh, cool. And I know that one of the things that all of us kind of at the time felt was that we really felt uh, like we could pick your brain more and more and, and just have you back as many times as possible. So that <laughs> kind of would mean that you would easily slot into being that, that co-host position because now we can't have you on as many times as uh, as possible. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm real happy to be here. I love talking about macro stuff, and so uh, yes, and you guys are fun to just listen to and chat with, you know. And I think that one, uh, you know, I'm really excited about the possibilities that uh, having someone who knows everybody <laughs> guess, uh, is going to, uh, to to bring to the podcast. We were just talking about before we started recording different guests and stuff, and a lot of the guests that uh, are people that in my you know before at least for me would have been people I may have been a, bit, a little bit too intimidated to, to reach out to are, mm-hmm. are probably ones that we can you know that that you don't have that that qualms I guess uh, because you know, you've been in the fandom for you know, since. since it's everyone else was just a little baby. Oh, not not quite the oldest, but yeah, I, I've I've already had my nervous introduction to a lot of people. But usually, people yeah. are just really really nice in the fandom, so it's awesome. Yes, exactly. That, yeah, that's something I'm learning more and more about this awesome, wonderful, stompy place. It's just so down to earth sometimes, and fan and fan fantasy filled as well. <laughs> so. Uh... One of the things, you know, this episode is just a half episode, so we're not going to go on too long. Uh, mm. But we do want to uh, 
go and, and address some of the stuff from the previous episodes that you know we do have a couple emails to read before we get to that though uh i i heard kenson that uh you did you like uh smash open a, a computer store and rob it and take it is that what you said uh well uh, that was the story that wasn't supposed to be told but uh what, what uh, really so you actually have a cover was, a cover for this you have a, a, a quote. <laughs> <laughs> what really happened was uh in all in all seriousness no in all seriousness Siri, I can't even talk today. Ugh, I can't do the podcast, guys. Sorry. Get Siri to get Siri to do the <laughs> podcast for you, then. Yeah, Siri, gosh dang it. Siri, help. Um, <laughs> and all talk about big stats. Grammar. Um, I was at CC's Pizza with a couple of my fuzzbutt friends. Uh, well, actually, it was Cinna and Skyflyer. I was there with. Um, and after we got done eating pizza, having fun, gorging ourselves, we went into this little back arcade that they have. Um. And they had a stacker game, which those of you who know what the stacker game is, uh, well, those who don't know, it's a like an arcade game where you can win prizes out of it. Uh, it's that one with the blue squares that go across the bottom of it, and you try to stack it all the way to the top. And, and they go slow at first, points. and they keep on going faster the higher you get. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and uh, also I think you get you get less blocks the higher you get too. Uh huh. It starts off with three, and then when you get like a third of the way up, it goes to two, and then you get past the minor prize, it goes one. You make it all the way to the top to the major prize. You can choose the best prizes. One of them uh, was a Chromebook, and so Cinna played first, and Sky was watching him play. I was still like eating pizza or something, I guess. And uh, so Cinna was like, "I should probably just go for the the minor prize because you know nobody really wins these things." And so Sky was like, "Yeah, you should just you know grab what you can get." What I was the in, minor prize, by the way? It's like a little shot glass thing. I think. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. pretty minor. Hmm? Yeah, but uh, I thought he was going to so say it was an I, iPad. An iPad. <laughs> well, an iPad's worth more than a Chromebook. Yay! Unless it was like a first-generation um, iPad. Yeah, but oh, I, have uh, one of those. I had one uh, of those at one point. <laughs> I bought one of those for uh, Christmas for your mom. Yeah, I helped you buy that. Yay! Um, but uh, so you got the shot glass. I go in. I get my tokens. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, I have tokens I didn't spend. Woo! I go in, throw them in. Uh, the first try, I get it all the way to the top, and I win a Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> and Cinna and Sky are kind of just gaping, just like, did you really just do that? So it's actually a setup right over to the right here. I have it open with a uh, for affinity and stuff. So yeah, I have a Chromebook. Let's see. Would I rather have a McDouble or a Chromebook? Yay! I'll go with the Chromebook. Well, uh, I'm now I'm just imagining you trying to eat the Chromebook and getting all the pop, or the the, the mall prints on it, the teeth marks. It shall so, be mine. So we have the choice of the two stories here. One, you have really fast paws and you win the stacker game. Uh-huh. Or two, your kitty soft paws and you took it. <laughs> um, with his yeah, uh, wearing one. wearing the ninja uh, outfit and. Sneaking in, yoink, yoink, yay! Uh, well, Whichever one you would like to believe, I guess. End of story. Yay. Well, that probably beats my uh, past few, you know, past week or so. Because uh, you know, this past week up until Tuesday or Monday, I was in Chicago, and so that was exciting too. I was excited about being back, even though you know yeah, I've been. What were you I've been there for, by the way? Well, it, it, my mom's birthday was Friday, ah. and. And she wanted, and I had a schedule kind of quirk that worked out to where I had five out of six days off in a row, um, based on the way my schedules were were, were moving around. So I was able to go and 
just have some fun. Unlike back in November, which we did have fun then, but I didn't get to actually do anything in Chicago other than, you know, right. Sil- Sylvan took us to Hot Dugs, and, and that was about <laughs> the most of the uh, Chicago-ness that I got to see outside of the convention. Um, I, have, I haven't seen Chicago either. I've never been downtown. I yeah. need to. Well, I, and I'd been downtown then uh, tr- on the train going from Midway to, to the airport or to the uh, to the uh, hotel, mm. but I didn't get to actually do anything downtown. But this time, you know, we did a couple of zoos, the museums, the Mosey, the, the Museum of Science and Industry, which is an awesome museum that has a Ooh. ton of stuff. Did you go uh, up the Sears Tower? So we, uh, well, we went Ooh. to the Willis Tower. The Sears Tower. <laughs> the Willis Sears Tower. Tower. Sears oh, Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Sears Tower. Um, we went there. It was, it was actually uh, – we did a Cubs game uh, at Wrigley on Saturday, oh, and then after nice. it was freezing at the game, and we were in the oh. shade. It was great seats because we went behind home plate and fifteen rows up, um, but it was also in the shade and about forty degrees out. So my mom got cold, and you know we we did the seventh inning stretch. We made it to there with uh, Jeff Garland, the the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know the big kind of fat guy from that's Larry's friend. From, I don't know if any of you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. But he did. Uh, he sung the "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" um, oh. during the seventh inning stretch, and at that point, then my mom wanted to leave, so I went there. We went down to, 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 the, to the Sears Tower, um, down on Wacker Street, my favorite street name in Lower Miami. Wacker Drive. Exactly. Wacker. Um, and we went up to the lobby to the sky deck thing they have, uh, and there was like a two and a half hour wait. Uh, to oh. Do yeah, I, that I was heard, something. Did I hear right that they now have a glass balcony you walk out in? Yeah, it's supposed uh, to be like 360 degrees where you can see all the way around, and that did sound really right? appealing. But I was tired. Oh, that my mom was tired. One of the few things that'll just give me vertigo is when when I can see you know below my feet just open space that that messes yeah. with my head. Yeah, I want to do that so bad though. I never have, and I want to. Uh, you so you're, really what you're saying do? is that it's okay for your head to be, you know, 1,700 feet above uh, above the ground as long yeah. as your feet are still down on the ground. Is that right? Oh, exactly. Well, that, yeah, that, that's usually because I mean, okay. Here's an interesting uh, thought for you: Can macros be uh, can be can they be afraid of heights? Like you think about, I'm sure you don't there really think about some. that, but you know. You have a macro who's, you know, 500 feet tall, jumping out of I'm, a plane. That'd be a really big plane. Uh, would they still have... I'm going to assume you get used to it, but, you know, well, especially well, if you shifted quickly, would uh, would your yeah. perspective suddenly mess with your head? You'd be like, ah! I, I had to get used to that. Uh, adolescent, adolescence age was uh, crazy for me. I was still getting used to that. Uh, yeah. It, many, many a trial and error. Well, and I think that the, you know, it, people who do have vertigo or fear of heights or whatever... Um, there, it's not brought on by just the you know sheer amount of distance. It's more of like how much space is there below wherever your feet right. is, below your feet level. So if right. your feet are still on the ground, you're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. By the way, twelve hundred feet. Ultimate cure of vertigo and heights: have a macro best friend. Duh. Well, or, we'll get over that real fast. You know, the, as or you'll as, die. as he was pointing out there, you know, if you've got someone that's picking you up in a hand and it's curled around you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's comforting. You don't feel that fear of heights. Now, if you turn, if the macro then goes wee and turns the hand sideways as if they're going to dump you oh out, yeah, that, that's... basically as long as that friend isn't Dragonian, is that what you're oh saying? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So it's like <laughs> I guess I, I guess we should stop making fun of Dragonian since he's not here oh, to defend himself. That's not nice. <laughs> well, it's yeah. just like well, you know, or just little things like I think Cerberus had a picture where obviously someone had sneezed while holding him. Oh gosh. Ugh. <laughs> It's like it's like friends will keep you safe in their paw the entire time and not let go. Best friends will drop you like five times on the way, just to be just to be fun. 
Because I that's what best friends don't do. don't know if I want to be best friends with you anymore, Kenson. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Like, I'm joking. Aww. We have um, so many more places to walk to, though. One more thing I wanted to say. One more thing I wanted to say, though, before we go off from you know the Sears Tower slash the Willis Tower. I am still uh, the the Willis Tower is just not a good name for that building. You know, I know that they it worked out where they had a I think they had to sign a, a leasing agreement with Willis that you know it was also during the dep- or during the recession at the beginning of that. So the the company that owns the tower probably was freaking out about not being able to make enough uh, leases to to fit. But you know, Willis is a company. They're not even based out of this country, much less Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have any kind of real big name recognition. That's probably why they wanted to sign the lease. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, United. United makes more sense in my mind because uh, they're the biggest mm-hmm. tenant now in that tower, uh, and they're based out of Chicago. They're a, you know, worldwide company, definitely known within the U.S. And the United Tower just sounds like a cooler name than the Willis Tower. Uh, oh, so but... I wish that they would have just waited until you know to move move their headquarters into that tower to to change that name. Yeah, I'd love for it to be called the Bueller Tower. Thank you very much. I I want to go to Chicago when I do. Do they go I... in Ferris? Oh. I, I recently watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Do they go to the yeah, tower? Yeah, Yes, they I did. Go to the Sears tower? Okay. Yeah, um, because they get up on the railing and then like like here, put your head against the glass like this, and it's, that's what Chicago looks like. Uh, however many stories up, it was like. Yeah, I want to do that in real life. Um, but uh, well, if, you, if you go over to the John Hancock building, they actually have a uh, kind of outdoor observation. Yeah. It's got a screen on it, but you can – and because the building has a sloped side, that really messes with your head when you when you do the look oh. down the side. Well, and huh. going – when we were driving, I had actually got the John uh, Hancock Tower and the Willis Tower confused because I thought that, or the, the Sears Tower was – you know, was shaped like the John Hancock. I guess I got them mixed up in my in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. But we ended up the GPS was taking us one way. We're like, oh, that's not the right way. Oh, that's not the right tower. That's the big tower yeah. there. But yeah. uh, apparently, the John Hancock on, or the John Hancock's tower is not even the biggest tower or the second biggest tower in Chicago anymore. Like there's a Trump Tower that's now bigger than yeah. just opened the past couple of years. At Trump. Oh yeah. The um, fun thing about the John Hancock is it's old enough that it's a solid building. It's not a counterweighted building. So most of the really tall skyscrapers have a counterweighting system to handle wind buffeting and the building drifting back and forth. Especially um, needed in Chicago. Well, especially in Chicago. Yeah. But uh, John Hancock is one of the ones that's very tall, and it doesn't have it. It's just built. So if you're there, if you go up to the restaurant and you look like at your glass of water, it'll slowly slosh back and forth. <laughs> they, they talk about oh, some gosh. people actually can't live and work in the building because it 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 uh, is unsettling to them. That huh. would be weird. Is that is that is that tower older than than the Sears Tower? I don't think I would mind that. No, I think the Sears Tower is older, but the Sears Tower okay. is built in a different way. It doesn't because the the Hancock's right on the waterfront. I'm sure Sylvan would know all of this a lot better. Well, I but, think also huh. the the Sears Tower seems to be a little thinner. Um, so maybe maybe it's more, or it seems like like the. The John Hancock Tower was wider, so maybe it's yeah. more susceptible to the wind because of that. The Sears Tower is like a bundle of sticks. There's like nine buildings, <laughs> and they peel off a stick as you go up. Yeah, and so the final much. the final That's top nice. point is actually not very big, but that down bottom it is. It's been, I, um, you know, remember back when Sears was a company that was big enough to have their name on the biggest building in the world? Mm. Yeah. Poor Sears. Pepperidge Farm remembers. I bought um, my first video game system from Sears. I used to Aww. work for Sears, actually. That was my second or third job. You know, I actually got that to see That was kind Chicago. of back when they were also 
going down the tubes and eventually got bought out by Kmart. You mean back when they were selling the double-knit reversible pants? You know, one thing I always appreciate about Sears and starting from the tool department, they, the craftsman tools, the whole thing about they have a lifetime warranty. You can actually go in if you have any kind of, you know, craftsman hand tool, like a hammer or a screwdriver or something like that. If it's broke, you can go in and get it replaced at any Sears and you don't have to show a receipt or anything. You just show them the craftsman tool. You'll get a new craftsman tool. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. At least as long as they're still in business. Yeah. However long that lasts. Um, I... Sorry, I, I definitely want to go visit the Sears Tower someday. Like, I kind of want to go do the whole Ferris Bueller thing, go see a Cubs game, go to Sears Tower, yada, yada, yada. Um, but, Don't go in April. Don't go at the beginning of April. That's, that's okay. the, my, my advice for going to a Cubs game. Okay. Well, I um, like I got to see Chicago um, at night from, let's see, 15,000 feet up and climbing. Uh, it was great because I got to – I actually went to MFF, quote-unquote, again and uh, when I got was coming back from Texas because I was at the airport at the uh, the convention. I was gonna say you drove to MFF. How would you have been able to see that? But okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, because like I actually was in the airport. Uh, my gosh, that airport is airport is huge. It's a mall with an airport attached. It's gigantic. Like, see, this is why I like flying out of Midway. Um, and you know Dallas. Love I loved here it, Dallas. But I loved it though. I love that. It takes that forever to get stuff. through those huge airports though. DFW. Is it, the it was same actually way. quick though. I was very impressed. It was huge, and there was there was more people than I thought could fit in that place, but it was quick. The other and, thing uh, the, we'll have to do, going back to MFF this year, we'll have to make a trip to Portillo's. Yeah. I, 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 I actually I ended up going to Portillo's this time. I need to go downtown, because I've seen it from, oh my gosh, the pictures I took were just with my phone. But it's like, been so long since I've been in uh, Chicago airport. I hate flying through Chicago. I'll yeah. fly through anywhere yeah. else. Well, Midway is perfect. It's I love Midway because um, huh. it is a you know medium-sized airport, so it's easy to get through. Yeah. Each time I go through Midway, I seem to always area. get randomly selected to go through the TSA's pre-checked line. Both times yeah. I've flown out of Midway, I've gotten that. Never okay, from any see, other airports. I'm sure it's going to happen, and it's going to bite me in the tail really hard one day for just thinking this. But what do people complain about the TSA for? I have no complaints with them. I am in and I am out. There's nothing wrong. I mean, I'm sure there's been there's been issues that other people have had. Again, I, I think the biggest thing is, like, invasion of privacy, you know, especially the new machines True. that do the swipe around. I mean, they are basically getting a – not a complete uh, view of your anatomy, but, but you know, yeah, they are. That, that is pretty close to it, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, so one, the, the one that drives me batty is when I was flying all the time, I was doing it for work. And so I've got my gig bag with, you know, my laptop and all the, the various accoutrement I need, you know, the, the screwdrivers and stuff to work on tech equipment and all right. that jazz. And I swear, every time I would have to travel, I'd sit there and empty half the useful things out of my bag and not oh bother my to gosh. bring them. That's why the pre-check line is so awesome, because you don't have to take your laptop out of your bag now if you're in that line. You don't have to remove your shoes. Uh, <laughs> you, I think you can keep your jacket on. It's It's something that, you know, they've... They go through all of that stuff that you don't have to do that you do have to go through when you go oh, to yeah. the regular. Oh, yeah. I would do the pre-check. I would pay for – I love Southwest. I would pay for business class of Southwest Yeah. just so I could skip ahead of the line and everything else. But what would kill me is, you know, in San Jose, the middle of Silicon Valley, I can get on the plane with a laptop, an iPod, headphones, all of the various equipment, the terminal cables I need, some other stuff, all stacked in a bag with an iPod in it. And it runs through the scanner, and the guy's like, oh, hey, that's nice. You got the new iPod, and he hands it to me, right? And then you change planes in like Atlanta and yeah. or Kansas City where you have to change you have to go through security to get out of a gate and into the next gate in Kansas City. You do? Uh, oh yeah, cuz they, yeah, so they retrofitted I've, the airport. 
And mm-hmm. these people, when you start pulling that much technological equipment out of a bag, look at you like you're a mad scientist. They're like, what are you do doing to us? You know what I've I had to do? Oh, my God. I, I, I usually travel with that much equipment. I've never had that happen at any of the airports I've been through. Well, at least I never noticed that they look that way. And then you add it to this. When I fly to a con and I'm carrying a ton of tech equipment... And my wife is flying, and she's an artist, so she has a day lamp. She has all the pencils, all the pens, all the stuff, because you don't check Pantone pens. You don't check that stuff because the luggage area is not pressurized well. The pens explode, and that's like, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of color. And so, you know, our carry-ons are all of our tech equipment and all of our art supplies. And when those go through the scanners... People, it's like monkeys trying to read Greek. Sometimes we got pulled in. <laughs> we got pulled in Denver at one point, and they they started to go through the bag, and we ended up on the education video for training the TSA because we had so what? many items <laughs> that what? were legal. They're like, "Can we oh pull you aside God. for a little extra time and film you so we can train That's for people?" Great. I'm like, "Oh, jeez, yes, yeah, you're fine." Did they yeah. give you nice. anything for that? Did they compensate you? No, that, no, they just asked if they could. Well, you know you the. Were on TV, uh, the Denver airport is the cradle of Satan. Well, you mean because they built it on Indian lands and all that? Yeah, jazz. and it's also shaped like a penis or something. I'm not sure exactly. There's there's this whole – Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this on like YouTube or whatever. There's a whole like conspiracy theory about the Denver airport. I felt My- incredibly uncomfortable uh, when I went through the very first time I flew, uh, and I had to empty, like you were saying, everything – out of my book. I didn't leave anything hardly in there. And I felt like, uh, is this weird? Hey, guys, don't arrest me. Uh, hey, I'm just gonna move on. Don't, no, why are you putting handcuffs on me? No. Uh, but it, well, um, it, the, the one that gets me the stink eye, uh, was, uh, I, I do tech stuff. So normally we're going into machine rooms where people go in and out. And so you rent space. So a lot of times, the, to make the long story short, they're padlocked. You know, they're these mm-hmm. cages that are padlocked. And half the time if I was being paid to be on site, no one remembers where the key was. So one of the things that was in my bag is a set of lock picks, right? Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm lousy with them. But the, the, break into the, uh, to the cabin, not the cabin, the uh, but flight the, deck. The look oh. you get if you forget that, I'm standing there, hi, I'm Mr. I'm Mr. Business Guy, ready to fly with my business class ticket. And I'm like, why do you have a lock pick in your bag? I'm like, oh, it's a hobby. Uh. Uh, <laughs> too much Skyrim. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, totally. Oh One God, of the things that I, you know, talking about the TSA pre-check thing, is, which is an awesome thing to get because they do randomly select it, but to actually get uh, officially on there to where you get permanent, you have to go through like this whole process of going to a center, and there's not a place to do that in Dallas apparently right now. They don't have like the nearest ones in Oklahoma. So I was thinking about trying to get uh, certified for that or go to the interview in Chicago, but. But even at, like, the four or five different places in Chicago, there was not any appointments available for the next month for any of the time I was going to be there. Ooh. So I, I'm i still uncertified or un, unapproved for that. I have to wait till either they open something in Dallas or I go to another city that uh, that does that. Here, one of my favorite things about the Denver airport, uh, which is, like, you know, they built an airport that's bigger than Rhode Island. So yeah. when they're planning, we're going to be the major airport of the future. So they, they build it way the heck outside of town. It was 45 minutes away from the next nearest bit of civilization. It's this monstrous facility they built so that they'd have room to grow. They'd have room to grow and, and all that other jazz, right? And well, isn't it also have something to do with uh, NORAD or something like that? That it's It seems to be like, like built on a 
missile base or something. I'm not sure exactly. I, I don't remember why they said that. That plays something into that conspiracy theory I was talking about. But the thing I laugh about is if you drive into the Denver airport now, uh, you drive for about a half hour and there's nothing around you, and then for like the last 15 minutes it's all housing. Because people built a bunch of housing just outside the airport for some dumb reason. And now I, I stayed out there for a while with a friend doing some work. Uh, there's this big fight that the people that built their houses next to the airport are saying, no, we don't want more planes. It's already too loud. And it's like... They, they built your place next to an airport. What do you expect? Yeah, the airport that they put an hour outside of town so people yeah. wouldn't complain about it. What's your problem? Yeah, I know that's something uh, Love Field being in kind of the heart of Dallas has always had to deal with uh, um, the is place. That, is, is that the heart? I mean, because when I leave the front gate of Love Field to get on the highway, that's a scary neighborhood. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit west of town, uh, but it's it only takes about a in good traffic ten minutes to get downtown from there. So, oh, okay. you know, it's it's in Dallas proper, as opposed to like DFW, which is you know almost exactly between uh, Dallas and Fort Worth. I just remember hanging outside. You, you hang a ride or something coming out to go on the highway when I was out there, and there's like an, an abandoned hotel. Or something. It just looks like it looks like we are in the wrong country all of a sudden. So the thing about Dallas, especially the city of Dallas, there are extremely nice neighborhoods that are just across the highway from slums. So kind of, it's the slums are kind of you know dotted throughout the city. So oh, it's, it's like Philadelphia like, then. Well, isn't Philadelphia almost like all slums? Oh, no, there's, Detroit. There, there's nice, nice old money neighborhoods in around Philly, yeah. mostly around Fairmount Park. But yeah, there, there's there's everything everywhere in Philly. Yeah, and a lot, and that's true of, of that area of Dallas. It's like if you go just uh, you know five or ten minutes uh, east of Love Field, you're in like the Preston Hollows area where George W. Bush lives, and you know you have million dollar houses, and uh, and and that's pretty close to that. But then you know, a mile and a half south of there, you're in, you know, controlled housing and income-assisted living and stuff like that. Hmm. It's Dallas. It's, it it, it does still have, overall, there is still, you know, uh, an income discrepancy between uh, different neighborhoods. You know, the south side of Dallas is a lot poorer uh, than the north side overall, but there still is uh, that kind of weird spottage of uh, wealth versus... Yeah, it's kind of like a cheetah if you if you looked at a uh, um, income distribution map of the city. Yeah, it's kind of weird out here in in Silicon Valley because you're sh- you're so short on space. Everything's kind of pushed on top of each other. So you'll you'll have literally the million dollar neighborhood is against the the slum area, and sometimes it's intermixed. It's really weird. So. All right. Well, so at this point, I think we can go ahead and start uh, talking a little bit about the uh, macro <laughs> stuff that we were but you know, talking about. Get get back on topic. You know what else is delicious, uh, Kenson? History. Bluebell ice cream. Yay! Oh, history. Oh, I guess I can stomach. Hey, we it. have blue. We have bluebell ice cream out here. Yeah, bluebell does <laughs> exist outside of Texas, but it's not everywhere. It's it's you know only some some markets. It's not um, one of those things where it's like a different name elsewhere, is it? No, no, they are, uh, I, I looked at this somewhere, they are in, uh, like, 13 states, I think. Um, they still have, like, the third or fourth highest sell- selling of any ice cream brand, even though they're only in, you know, less than a quarter of the states, or around a quarter of the states, I guess. Um, but, 
it's you know they they they, they don't distribute it everywhere. I think they they have some kind of thing where they want to be close, kind of like In and Out. You know, In and Out has uh, a rule where they don't have restaurants more than a day's drive from a distribution center. Oh which yeah, is why they're only in like California, and then they just expanded to like Arizona and and Texas. In the um, Northeast, that's Wawa does that. They're never more than a day away from the farm that provides all the dairy. What's Wawa? Wawa is like a Seven Eleven crossed with a Jewish deli, and they sell cigarettes, and it's wonderful. <laughs> um, well, okay, I, I don't want to go into that. I guess that's that's getting off topic. Actually, yeah. to get back on topic and horribly shift gears quickly, uh, the, the one thing I would have written in had had you not invited me on about this, and thank you for, was the fact that the discussion when talking about history that you steered it towards nine eleven. Uh, you know that was that was a, a really interesting time uh, in that uh, up to nine eleven there was a lot of artwork and a lot of what I would term building play or sure. or destruction of things and that uh-huh. disappeared for like five years after nine yeah. eleven. It That's just, actually something I do want to kind of talk a little more in depth with you about since you hmm. were in the fandom at that time. Um, well, it's it's even a little more personal than you think. Uh, so some of the, the major artists in the fandom were in and around Philadelphia and New Jersey area. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we would have a weekly movie night and I think it's either the night of nine 11 or the next day would have been our weekly movie night. And so I lived in Philadelphia, uh, and I was very glad I was in Philadelphia because my previous job, I worked in the Pentagon, uh, oh, and, and the plane landed where my office was renovated in the Pentagon. Oh. And the next day when I got up, uh, I would take Route 202 out of uh, Pennsylvania. And you'd cross the river, you know, where George Washington bravely uh, ran away from the British uh, in, in the winter of 1776 at Washington's the, Crossing. The Delaware River? Is that yeah, the Delaware Delaware River, which okay. is not, which is between uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, and, uh, where, where you would expect it to be, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's hiding. Uh, <laughs> But you climb up out of the Delaware River Valley uh, for a couple miles on Route 22, and then you go over a ridge. It's not a very high ridge, but it is the peak point on the western side of New Jersey, the state. Uh, And I was wearing uh, contrast sunglasses, you know, the kind of yellow sunglasses when I drive. Mm -hmm. And as I came over the ridge, I could see the dust plume blowing southward from New York uh, from the other side of the state. Uh, and the other thing that kind of made it a somber drive is while I was driving on Route 202, which goes direct to New York, the only thing passing me was loads and loads of construction equipment. I got passed by a truck hauling unlabeled ambulances. I got passed by a truck that had a logo for coffin maker on it. You know, that was a, that was kind of a bringing it home moment. Uh, you know, I, and this was, how, how, how long after This is the next day. The next Uh, day, wow. And so we kind of went over to our regular movie night where we hang out and have fun and watch anime, and it was kind of somber, and we talked a lot about that. I I don't think there was any overt decision, but it's just like everyone stopped with the destruction art, with the destruction play. Uh, Even if it's just a fantasy. How do you you draw something like that or write about something like that after seeing seeing that? I, I can't imagine that... That'd be something you'd even want to approach. Well, seeing that and calling friends and calling relatives, yeah. you know, uh, Cougar, Ken Cougar's family lives in Manhattan uh, and stuff like that. So you spent the day doing that. Uh, Wolf Kid's wife grew up in Manhattan. And so for them, it was very personal. And it was probably a week or two later before you saw the reaction, very 
Uh, I don't know if any of you ever saw Ken's page for a long time had a stomping out terrorism logo on it. I remember uh, seeing that logo at, at some point, yeah. And I'd have to struggle to think about it. Uh, there, there was everyone kind of did. There was a little couple pieces of artwork like that, and then no one talked about it anymore. It was just quiet. And uh, I actually felt a lot better when I started years later to see people doing more stuff uh, because it, it's a sign of healing. It's a sign of people being uh, comfortable with who they are and recognizing that the difference between fantasy and reality as distasteful right. as the reality was, you know? And, and it's, and, you know, it's one of those things that even just talking about, you know, here 13 years later, talking about September 11th still, I think for most, if not all of us who, who were aware of what was happening that day, um, still is an uncomfortable topic, you know, at least makes it, it, it brings the, you know, me to a closer to, crying i guess moment oh I'm yeah not actually crying but I, and, I i definitely feel a little bit more likely i could and it's like one of you said the the whole uh hearing the jets go overhead i i lived uh near the uh, air base on the north side of philadelphia and they scrambled jets for yeah. the manhattan area and then they scrambled them down for the dc area and it was not subtle they were not being polite and so uh it scares the skin off you you know the only thing i could think of that maybe comes close for me and it's maybe more because of of uh of what happened with me it was at where i was at the time um anytime the the space shuttle columbia's disaster or yeah columbia was the one that was in 2003 or 2000 yeah. was it 2003 or 2000 it would have been 2003 because that was a year yeah well I'll, it makes sense that i well let me tell, about, tell the story um i was flying to dallas to tour smu the school i eventually ended up going to um, that weekend, uh, and I remember the first, my first, you know, getting on on the roads in Dallas, seeing the variable message signs, you know, say "Watch for space shuttle debris," you know, call police. Uh, oh wow! And and that's something that I don't think there was that much in Dallas. Most of the debris that was found was you know further south. Uh, I think I'm guessing that those messages were probably statewide, but that brought it home to me in a way that you know that still affects me when I think about. Uh, you know, space travel. And I, I, I love the idea of space travel. I think we, I, I am uh, pissed off that there's not really any kind of active space uh, development uh, much well, going on. You do have in, SpaceX in now. Again, there's not much going on. That's um, true. You know, NASA is a shell of the organization it used to be, and I think that's going to end up having a lot of problems for this country in the long run. But oh. you know, it, it. I'm just. That's the only thing I can think of that I have that kind of same reaction when I think about now. Um, yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're a little too young to remember. Uh, the, was it eighty two? The the Challenger disaster. Well, Challenger was Challenger happened before I was born, but I think the the weird thing is, is I was in Florida, um, both the first space shuttle launch after the Challenger uh, and after Columbia, because uh, oh, wow, there was like a two year uh, gap there where they didn't launch any space shuttles both of those times and for the challenger you know i was a baby i, I but my parents wanted to take a trip down to florida and we went down to you know uh i don't know exactly where we watched it but the probably around the kennedy space center to uh to see and because it was a kind of a patriotic thing i guess um and then when the the first shuttle in 2005 launched after the columbia disaster um I, that was after i had moved to orlando and uh me and my partner at the time wanted to you know go see that it was again kind of a you know patriotic kind of let's go space program um 
so we drove out to Coco and we just ended up watching it from from Coco Beach. But uh, I, I do remember seeing that and see, feeling the kind of relief and the cheer from from the crowd in that time. Gosh, what's yeah. that even like to watch a rocket blast off? Goodness, that'd be so it's cool. it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> it's you know obviously we're in, in Coco is still a ways away from Kennedy, but. Uh, there's times there there were space shuttle launches I could see from Orlando from from Disney World. Um, mm, you know that's wow. 100 and, not 100 miles, but maybe like 80 miles away. Um, huh. And you know just the idea that we can, as humanity, we can do that, and we are going to, you know, obviously not to a star because way way away <laughs> from that, but a little bit further from from our normal. Uh, you know, stomping grounds. It's yeah. it's a uh, nice. it's an awesome feeling. I think, even though I don't directly have anything involved with it, just the idea that right. humanity can do this. Yeah, and it's a heck of a lot of noise and power. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, sorry to depress everyone by bringing up nine nine eleven. Uh, but the one thing I was going to kind of comment is it was interesting that that everyone was talking about. Well, could you have the the twelve hour question? Could you save? Uh, from 9-11 and, and it's yeah. it's fun to see the whole yes you might be able to but then 9-11 would become where did the 300 you know 750 foot cheetah come from that, that <laughs> ran across the landscape and destroyed everything but see that would be a whole lot better because no one would get hurt except well, for even if you're you rushing didn't. from New York to to Virginia to stop you know the, the yeah. Pentagon one. You'll Even if you did no damage, I have a way. plan. I have a plan. See, Even if you time. did no damage, just a character that big running that fast, there would be yep. a vortex of smart cars being sucked along behind you. <laughs> you know, they're like, I was in Manhattan and I ended up in D.C. because of the thing. And, that would you know, be great. The shockwaves could be felt oh all gosh. the way to can New this, Mexico. Can this be a movie, please? I would love for this to be a movie. Because, you know, well, the idea is awesome, but again, I also like to be on camera, I guess. But, uh, oh, that's great. You'd be late to save the Pentagon because you'd stop the smile at a camera? <laughs> By the way, if, um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking, going you, back to something real quick, going back to something you said. Out of nowhere, uh, Spielberg took this idea. I don't know. I want to talk to you at some point more, Benny, about you working at the Pentagon because that sounds like an awesome story, <laughs> you know, on its own. Wait, what? But, but that's kind of beyond what what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I got you a couple stories about that. Well, and I got to tell you sooner or later about being a Baltimore Raven. That was a question oh, that yeah. came up. That came up. I think you mentioned a little bit about that, but yeah, we can we can table that for now. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Were you about to say something else, Kenton? I think I may have interrupted you. Well, well, I was just basically saying just. The idea was interesting to me. Just suddenly, the 150-foot Paul plus Cheetah pops out of time and space. Wham! And then has a direct mission to go and save it. Like, okay, first off, how did he know? Where did he come from? Are there more? And stuff. So, so the thing is, you would probably be done by about 1030 uh, Eastern time. What would you do for the rest of the 12 hours? That's true. Well, assuming he found a baseball glove big enough to catch the plane. <laughs> I wouldn't use a glove. I'd just use my it's ball. A, you know, a diving, a diving outfield catch of the plane. And he makes the grab. You know, I just thought of, what if people back in this time or something, or like a whole bunch of people were like knowing this was going to happen, so they're like filming it through time and space, and then like the diving catch is made. Like, yes, he did it! <laughs> I think even if they didn't know, you would be on camera 
pretty quickly. It is Yay. New York after all. That would be uh, yeah. You know. I would love to do that. Seriously. That would be momentous. Monument. Yay. Monumentous. Monument. Oh, there's a word. But didn't exist before. Now it does. Yay. I suppose it's better than monumentos. The monuments monumentos. you can eat. Oh. <laughs> Lol. Now I have this image of the Washington Monument as a monumentos pack. And then I'm just breaking off pieces of it and drinking a Diet Coke at the same time. So one of the things that, uh, you know, speaking of that kind of, that I want to go back to a little bit that you were talking about earlier about separating the fantasy from the reality. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you do that, I guess? You know, how how can you think that, oh, you know, I am a macro who in pictures will stomp a building flat, uh, but... I don't want to be associated with, you know, the destruction of the World Trade Center or, or anything like that. Wait, <laughs> are you talking to me? Well, no, anyone. Just, just oh, okay. I guess Benny, oh. Benny more specifically. But Oh, that's easy. I mean, you ever played SimCity, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and then there's the little dots that represent the people that fill the city, right? Yeah. And then at some point, after you've played 20 hours straight, you're like, I'm going to save the game. Now I'm just going to do destruction after destruction after destruction after destruction. Disasters. To see what happens. Yeah, disaster, right? Do you feel any remorse from that? No. Somewhere from the ability to recognize that as a fantasy and have fun with it, you recognize this. And that's that's being sane, is recognizing fantasy from reality. The the only people that really bother me in the fandom are the people who insist that they are absolutely furry, but they're just presenting in their human form. And that kind of worries me. Um, I've always had this, uh, like, like Benny was saying, this really extreme grasp on what's real and what's not. It's just I'm so driven and like you know doven that's not even a word dovagin uh inside of uh, the fantasy i, I <laughs> said you just say i said dovin so it made me think he, of dovagin he was ADHD. speaking skyrim <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um but i'm so driven by uh by fantasy like that that's what fuels my brain most of the time. I, I'm also going to say I think there's I I, would, I wouldn't call it generational I think there's a difference on when you grew up, though, because uh, I grew up playing role-playing games. Uh, right. There were no real uh, RPG video games. There were no real uh, characterization card games. Right. And I've noticed the people that kind of grew up with role-playing games are very strong about when they oh, are yeah. in character versus out character. It's, it's like everything with me. Well, it's well, no, it's they swap personality. Whereas folks who grew up on something that are more fairly plastic, like card games, and I mean that in a way that that the context switch is not as strong, will drop in and say something in character all the time. So uh, I'll I'll use you as an example, Kenson. You are constantly in and out of character. You'll talk about real life stuff. You'll talk about outside, you know, as having huge stompy paws, kind of almost at the same time. Right. Whereas uh, for me, you'll rarely catch me do that. And I always wondered where that came from. Uh, and I think it's that difference, and that's also where you get the difference from uh, some people per- portray themselves as an avatar, and other portray themselves as a character. And so a character is, is fantasy, yeah. but an avatar is uh, yourself painted as yeah. that character. And so the real difference is okay. doing something in a role play to a character is fantasy, but right. doing something to a role play with someone's yeah. avatar might oh be mentally not nice. 
Psychology uh, cast part two. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but like, I've always wondered where the line for that is because I know where it is with me, but you can't just draw a line with everybody in general. Like everyone has their own different line. Cause with me, oh, yeah. I'm what Eco described it once as a spirit fur. Um, basically there was a huge change in your life or a very momentous occasion in your life that changed you and the fandom had something to do with that so you associate yourself with that very deeply then there's other people who just have a character or they're in the fandom for fun oh yeah have you so the the lines where characters personas avatars what have you are drawn very 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 drastically uh from person to person from furry to furry so i mean yes psychology cast too well, and as much as there's a huge gradient of people that might just, well, I like going to raves, so I wear ears all the way down right. to people that I am a hardcore animal shaman spiritualist. <laughs> you know, that, that there's a whole gradient <laughs> of everything that. in between. And everything, yeah, everything in between. In between. The, the, and the actual puppies and dogs that come to fandoms. Every time you see a dog at a convention, that's the greatest fur suit I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. You the never reason, see a cat at a convention. The, oh. the, reason, uh, the reason that the line of avatar versus character is important is if you have an environment that's roleplay centric, like I don't know, the Giants Club on the Muck, or a discussion room, or an IRC channel, mm-hmm. and someone walks in who is in their avatar and have not messed around with giants, and someone picks them up or stomps on them or does something untoward, they'll get pissed. They will flip like no one has flipped before because yeah. you know. And so, as as a giant character or playing a giant character or being one, you had to know that, yeah, you know? <laughs> or at least recognize that. But how do you recognize that then? You better recognize. Well, uh, well, you can test it with actions. You kind of lightly do stuff to see. But generally, if you're playing the big character and it's a semi-public space, you don't just stomp any random person that walks in the room. Yep. Uh, uh, Unless you're role-playing an asshole, and that happens too. Uh, Uh, But, you know, you just got to feel it out. People will react. and, And I think it's that interplay that understanding that big pause of yours yeah i i think i think it's that understanding that sometimes escapes some people and makes them really unhappy like i never like being around those macro parts they're all they're all mean you know yeah um, you know it's funny that you mentioned this because i had this kind of conversation with somebody over twitter uh with with neve actually about it's not the exact same thing but about um the whole idea of of you know taunting people over height or whatever right um which and in my intention, it was something that I was doing as a joke, and, and it was to both, you know, oh, more towards Frieder, because Frieder was, was the kind of conversation at the time. I know Frieder, that's something that he kind of likes, I guess. Um, but uh, that's something that, he, you know, really rubbed Neve the wrong way. And, you know, partially because, of, I guess, of his, you know, real life history and stuff like that, but maybe also because mm-hmm. of how his avatar, or how he portrays himself as an avatar, kind of like what you're talking about, how his character is just really him. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the things I had to kind of, uh, you know, come to terms with, or, or kind of get my mind wrapped around there was the idea of, I guess just, you know, some people will take things, uh, yeah. in a different way than you intend. And that's true with anything, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's, there you want to be careful about uh, about those kinds of things, uh, especially about people that you may not necessarily know their uh, the things that, that could potentially offend them. 
Right. And, oh, yeah. you know, we, we think about it all the time. Uh, we've had casts about it, like macros in school, bullies and stuff. Just even any type of social interaction. You having a macro, like, it's easy to, like what we were saying, have a character and stuff and portray a completely different opposite side. I actually like to do that sometimes. I've had the idea in my mind to create a character that's the exact opposite of Kenson just to have fun sometimes. Very and That's rare. why you created the but, character um, with all the rainbows and. Uh, he's actually. he, he <laughs> I'll have to explain it on another cast now. Um, he actually <laughs> portrays the most extreme sides of me, I guess. Uh, but, um. Okay. Like, the social interactions that happen in real life, it, it really strikes me as incredibly interesting how, like, we're, we're all people. So even our characters, even our personas, of course, since they're being driven, generated by us as people, all the stuff and social interactions that we deal with on a daily basis can't help but leak through. So, oh, yeah. Like, the, the macro interactions that you have, like you were describing, it's very interesting to me. I just, I like to play with it a little bit and see how will different people react. I'm not manipulative, I promise. It's just, it's interesting to me. Because I've seen people completely blow up over something that I look at and I go, why? Then I've seen people just shrug off something that I go, wait, well, you were supposed to be upset at that. So... There's so many different types of people in this world, so many different types of furries, macros, what have you. And it just, that entire just pool of things generates so many ideas. Like, you have to be careful in public settings like that because you never want to just, you know, tip somebody off the wrong way. And I've done that before, and it really makes me hurt. <laughs> so. And you can, you can be too careful. You know, I like very much doing growth stuff. And, uh... The the trouble with that is, you know, there can only be one biggest at any one moment. And, right. and most good people, if they have similar likes, will, you know, you'll take turns. You'll let the other person have fun for a while. Or you'll have fun yes. for a while. I love but, that. But what that meant is in most public situations, rather than getting into some, you know, growth battle that just ends up with someone unhappy, I, I just wouldn't do it. And and then there was this whole group of people I ran into at one point. They're like, what, you you like growth stuff? Really? I, I've never Aww. seen you do it. I'm like, Aww. I'm like, oh. Well, maybe I should do some. Okay. Okay. Well, that's where coming from, I just like, like to watch. <laughs> you know, not not having the, as much experience uh, in the uh, muck side and the the IRC side. Uh, I've never really done it either, too. You know, the the group RP is something that still kind of eludes me. You know, it's it's something where I'm much better off on a one one on one. You're thing. not alone. That's me too. Yeah. I, I, um, how could okay? And even I sometimes, think, even sometimes on Twitter, like if there's a small group, that can still be a little bit confusing to me. Yeah, I, like I, I think that, the group but... stuff is just kind of really going away. I mean, because the mediums it happens in just don't happen anymore. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, live stream chat rooms is probably the. The F-list? most active place and Twitter are, are the two most active places for that now that I've seen. Isn't F-List, uh, it's like a strictly furry, uh, I don't think it's strictly macro, but it's strictly furry uh, group RP, right? I think a, several. Do people actually use F-List? I went on there once to create a profile. Does, and Noms it, was, it was a while ago, but I remember him yeah. making a tweet about saying, hey, I have an F-List. Who yeah, I think them? everyone has made, or like a lot of people have made an F-List, but yeah. how many people actually use I think an Rogue, F-List? Maybe Rogue is on there a lot. Yeah. I, I saw Rogue um, when I tried on there. The biggest thing I've seen people use F-List for is just, just uh, basically a, a list of kinks, of their kinks. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to see what you put as your F list, Kinson. You should create one. I think I did. Oh, okay. I, oh gosh. I have like three entries. Everything else is under the does not like at all. Yeah. Actually, I, 
Never. Uh, <laughs> tell you the truth. I saw some things on that list I didn't even know existed. <laughs> I instantly you... regretted the decision of making it. <laughs> it could be a real you... eye opener. You lost purity points by reading the list. Uh, no, I didn't. You can, you can I still no don't know what they are. <laughs> you can no longer get all of the Paragon choices. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. I still like. I don't know what they are. So I'm, I'm okay. I just. I'm looking at these words. I'm like, okay. I'm not gonna let my brain even try to decipher. <laughs> what's that going should on. be a new segment that we now have. Is oh, pick God. a uh, a fetish from F list and explain it to Kenson. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know, guys really gonna you're gonna carry on Dragonian's legacy and create. Today, the, um, today we're going Kenson to teach Kenson about water sports. Oh my gosh! <laughs> water sports is like one of the more tame ones that we could go into. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, guys. let's not do that. At least not right now. Um, Kenson, oh, you right have now? the Googles. You can find out. Wait, what? I have the, the real fun one. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going the real to fun the one is we just start giving them random words as if they're fetishes and let them Google them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to use the. Internet the thing is, is that that would probably for. backfire on us because we would probably pick something that we, you know, that's random that probably is a fetish somehow somewhere. Rule thirty-eight. Oh, exactly. Rule 38. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead now and move on. We do have a couple of emails that we can read uh, coming in. Uh, the first one's coming in from one of our more recent guests, Kitsune Kit Fox. Hi. Yay. Hi. And uh, it, uh, this isn't about the last uh, the question. I guess we only had one, one thing that was about the last podcast, partially because I only released it a couple of days Why ago. Why did we even really talk about it? I can't remember. So but the question he ago. has here is, uh, with the subject of someone changing size, what do you think about someone getting permanently stuck at the new size they find themselves totally mm-hmm. unable to get back to the size they originally were? Hmm. I have actually thought about that Um my new character, which I will explain on another cast, I guess, he actually is stuck at a height. I I've I like the idea of being stuck at a height, but I don't want it to be something. Well, ugh, it's hard to describe. Henson, me, I size shift, but I still like the idea of being stuck at a certain size. There have been several times when I've role played that. Oh no, I forget how to shrink or something. Or oh, I forget how to grow. So if someone gets stuck at that height, <sighs> there there's a sense of awesome and good to that uh to me but the hope is that i can change that like if it really happened in real life and i grew suddenly i couldn't shrink it would be awesome but i would lose the hope of ever getting back so so basically you you would become like an episode of star trek next generation where it seems <laughs> like completely that you've got a permanent change and then somehow at the end you find a way to change it yeah it's a uh, by powering up and screaming so much that i break i don't know Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, but, uh, so... Spots are over 9,000. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, to me, it's, it's 9, a 9,000 very... feet across. That's what, that's what the spots are over. Oh, gosh. Yeah, on my suit, there's over 9,000 spots. No. Um, gosh, that'd be a lot of spots. I'd just be a panther at that point. There'd be so many spots. <laughs> um, yeah, but, I uh... used to joke, I used to joke <laughs> that the stripes on the tiger were actually the color of the pelt was ripping because he'd grown bigger. Ah, but the no, side effect of that was is if you get too big, you just turn into a Black Panther. So, you know, yes. I don't I, know. Maybe that's cool. There, there's a picture I saw on a, on iFunny once. It's um a cheetah leaning up against the panther and says, I don't, I don't, uh, I still love you, even though you have just one big spot. <laughs> I was yeah, like, Aw. Was it a cheetah? I thought it was a leopard. 
Or it might have been a leopard. But uh, I always think leopards are cheetahs because You so. and everyone at a zoo. If you ever go to a zoo and find a leopard, I just what was it the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago and uh, Wait, they had what? they had they didn't have cheetahs, they just had the, the amateur leopards and everyone like four or five different people walked up and said, Look at the cheetah, look is at this, the cheetah. Is this a parallel universe? Is this a, seriously? Because every single time I have like n- n- no one ever says cheetah first to che- me, or at least what I've experienced. <laughs> No, you, you mean like when you're in a suit? No, no. The fun well, one is trying to get okay. people to tell the difference between a lynx and a bobcat. Pat well, bobcat. Well, the thing is, bobcats are lynxes. Bobcats are part of the lynx genus. You know, the scientific name is lynx rufus. Right. But a cheetah is not even the same. Jubatus. Is yeah, exactly. It's not the same genus as a panth as a, as a leopard. Own... A leopard is Panthera Panthera partis, or right. is that jaguar? It's it's a different family, you know, or, or different. It's still the same family, but a we different, have our uh, own genus section species. of the family. Oh, um, I have a story to tell you guys, though. Ugh. I was at the Renaissance Festival, and uh, the administration oh. was kind enough. Uh, around here in Caesar's Creek, they let fursuits come in. Awesome. So um, because that, around, when you huh? think of when you think of you know twelve hundreds Middle Ages, of course you think of people, animal people walking around. Well, it's a costume, and yeah, but you know, costumes. for the number of Xena warrior princesses and stuff I've seen wandering around, uh, let it happen. I've never been yeah. to a Renaissance <laughs> festival, so I probably shouldn't comment. <laughs> but uh, so I was walking around, stomping around, having an awesome time. A lot of people, since they hadn't really seen first, it was like, oh my gosh, it's awesome! Every single thing I was called was. Not cheetah. <laughs> I had to explain it to some people. I even got called a tiger. That happens too. Yeah, people will call. I've, I've seen people call cheetahs or leopards tigers. Which what is the fox? Yeah, yeah. There. Seriously, <laughs> exactly. I got called a tiger. I don't have strike. <laughs> Come on. Um, I was called a leopard. I was called a jaguar. Uh, I was even called a, a panther. I think. Uh, it was called. <laughs> Speaking of which, panther yeah. is one of those words that is just a bad. You know, th- don't use the word I panther don't. because panther could, is fo- technically refers to any big cat. You know, there is not a species of cat that is just a. panther. It's not a puma. You know, it's a tiger a is a panther. A, a leopard is a, a panther. Cougar. They're all part of sorry, the panthera genus. So, well, sorry, that was just a small like, rant. And, and, and you said you did. You said you did Renaissance stuff too. I love Renaissance festival. Oh my gosh, yes, I go every year. Not- Wait, but like, Quandry, did you say oh, you did? No, two? I've never been to one. There is what? one. No, uh, I don't know if it's one in Dallas. I know there's a big one near Houston. You have um, to, because taking the summertime in Texas and wearing clothing from the the mini ice age of Europe is a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure these uh, Renaissance festivals well, are like I mean, in the hey, fall. Uh, Five thousand furries gather in the middle of Pittsburgh in the heat of the summer in fursuit outside. I yeah. was one of them. But Pittsburgh is, yeah, and, and it's northern Yeah, Texas is a little hotter than Pittsburgh because you know I, I visited my friend out there, and it's the sun's like, hi, can I borrow a cup of sweat? It's it's well, <laughs> freaking hot out there. Real quick though, well, I want to go on a quick tangent uh, since you brought up um, the idea of, of being in a fursuit where people don't necessarily expect fursuits. Did you see that uh, Vermi Fox and Dario Mouse uh, were in fursuit at a Dallas Stars game and got on TV because and they the were hockey sitting, game? Yeah, they were sitting yeah. right behind the, the I think it was the San Jose Sharks for the team yes. they were playing. Did you I see the video from a bunch of guys clearance. going skiing? What was how that? did they go through clearance? Huh? Wait, oh, I was, I, I, I was, I'm sorry. I was asking, did you see the video kicking around of a bunch of guys going skiing? Uh-uh. It's like I they're going down the slopes and everything. They're doing quite well, but, you know, they're in fursuit, and the other people are like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> nice. You know what I want to do? Perfect north, perfect north slopes. I've actually seen 
a couple pictures of friends of mine going in full fursuit and snowboarding. I'm doing it. I'm I doing w- it. I just want to go back to like Sports Center the night of that the they were at the game and see if they actually made Sports Center um, from, from <laughs> oh, that because they were on they were on TV a lot since you know they were right behind the bench. You, you know, I don't think they were intentionally trying to show them too much, but they have to show the bench of the team at some point. So you could just see this orange fox and this you know gray mouse or whatever right. sitting behind them. Now hey, I'm stick- wanting to join the photobomb Olympics and find <laughs> every camera I can and be in suit. <laughs> Ugh. Steering back to the uh, email question, uh, for being stuck at a big size, uh, the one question I would have is, is our Giants normal in the environment? Because that makes it uh, a little more interesting. You know, if you're, the, if you're the unique Giant, once you get above a certain height, you're going to be like genetic freak uh, take, taken away. Uh, but, but yeah, if you're big enough, they can't take you away. Well, that's true. Well, they yeah. just take you out. Uh, but the, the one thing I think it's neat is I kind of like the aspect there's a little bit of an innocence of when you don't have the control over it absolutely yeah you know it's like i didn't choose to go up here i'm i'm stuck here so like the, the it, it's a lot more uh innocent and natural in the the whole being huge or things you might do or accidental destruction and that's why uh, i do like the idea of unintentional size change or, or size change against somebody's will um, I do that a lot uh, with, yeah. with my Meerkat character, Zacharin. Um, I, I love that. Uh, or especially when, when things that are supposed to be intentional backfire. You know, it's amazing the number of growth guns that explode or, or go wrong or things that happen. <laughs> you know. Well, when you play with fire, you're liable to get burned. <laughs> yeah, I normally wouldn't say play. that I want to get burned, but in this case... What? Uh, what? Huh? Okay. So... so uh, Next email coming in from Fusanushin. Ooh, can um, I read? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, yes, you can read. Uh, the whole thing? Yeah, it's a long yeah. one. Oh, so I should probably give you the email password at some point, Benny. Remind me to do that before we uh, before we end the show. <laughs> the password Yay! here is boop, and then you just put that in, and then you'll get access to it. Yes. We had to censor it out. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, fans. <laughs> um, so, to the Size Matters crew, says Fusanushin. Hello, and good day to you all. I wrote in two months ago. Back then, I said that the podcast helped inspire me to start opening up in the community. Well, two months have gone by, and it's been amazing getting to interact and know the different members of the furry fandom. More significantly, and to my utter surprise, I even found my first boyfriend and my first relationship as an adult. Mm. Ah! He's incredibly supportive and encouraging in my efforts to put myself out there. With all the issues I've dealt with in recent years, he's given me more happiness than I've felt for so long. I, 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 I'll be honest, I hadn't, hadn't read this yet because I like to re- wait to be on the podcast, and now I'm right. just like kind of blushing or tearing or whatever. I didn't realize you went into this. <laughs> it's a solid red panda. <laughs> <laughs> the image in my head, though. Um, he's more than what I could hope or to find as a partner, and I try my best every day to be the same for him. I suppose I should stop gushing, or else there may be a melted panda for the rest of the podcast. Is he Pretty a panda? No, no, no I, he's a squirrel. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, wait. Oh! Never mind. In my email last time, I thanked the host for regularly producing this podcast that uh, kindled my drive to join the furry community. This time, I would really like to appreciate all of... Wait, this time, I would really like to appreciate all the guests came onto the podcast to discuss the various topics of the week and providing their experience, knowledge, and opinions. I really enjoyed what all of you had to say. 
So thank you, Sylvan Scott, Starry Aqua, Tiern, Jane, Frieder, El Robin, uh, Jacoby, Zev, Poros, Benny, Bomba, Sheboygan, Crux, Kitsunikit, and Cimarron. I hope I I hope I'm not missing anyone. Sincerest apologies if I did. And I don't think you did. Future I think you got everyone. Yeah, impressive. Woo! Go squarely. I'm guessing he. That is the nicest items. letter. I know, right? And to future guests, I look forward to hearing your thoughts in upcoming episodes. As for podcast number nineteen, something that got me piqued was the discussion about macros slash micros in wars. I'm borrowing this morale dilemma from somewhere else, but just had to ask. If you had control over technology that allowed macros or micros to be created, but other people's lives were needed to use it, would you? How, that's kind of like a Full Metal Ooh. Alchemist thing. Oh my gosh. Like or, the Philosopher's um, Stone. Ugh. Oh, there was something. I mean, like the. I guess it's kind of like a Soylent Green thing, but not quite. Um, there's something else where. I'm th- trying to think of where, like, people. I guess more like the Matrix almost. Eh. Huh. There's, there's a couple of classic stories about if you make a wish, someone would die. Yeah, or if you press this button, you get ten million dollars, but someone in the world somewhere dies. Yeah, Um, but that also made me think of Attack on Titan. Uh, No spoilers, not saying anything, but if you've seen it, you know what I mean. Uh, How important would it be to have macros or micros to win a war? And what if the other side already had macros and micros when you had to make the decision? So, like, basically, if you you start going to like the idea of the greater good at this point, you know. Is, right. is it is it worth um, what's the thing that Spock says in the end of uh, uh, Wrath of Khan? Um, uh, I, I think know. he says. <sighs> well, okay, before that point, oh. <laughs> um, you know the you know one basically the idea that you know one person the good uh, of the one for the good, good of, of the many. Yes, the the good of the many outweighs the the needs good of the good one. Of the few. You know, the needs of oh the my one god, one. I'm a horrible sci-fi geek. And that's oh, well. true in, in some way, um, but you know, try to explain that to you know the mother who may have to give up their only child uh, in in this case, or or you know someone who uh, you know their spouse that just got married and, and now their husband is having to you know, be hmm. dedicated towards this, or you know, it, it's hard well, to mm-hmm. t- to not feel a little bit of, of hesitation at the very least. Oh, yeah. There's there's a thought that comes with um, using uh, like the whole philosopher's stone mindset or what have you for war. Um, power is always the thing that wins wars. Like you can cut it, you can slice it. Yeah, strategy works, but when it comes right down to it, if you have overwhelming power, it doesn't matter what strategy you got. It's gonna power is gonna win. So using macros and micros for that and that sacrifice. There's two roads that could be taken. The first one being, yeah, we're using it for the greater good. Um, these people uh, who are going to be sacrificing their lives are going to be sacrificing them anyway, right? Quote, unquote, question mark. And then there's the other side where it's like, it could be the enemy, where it's like, hey, let's start a war. I'm going to kill a whole bunch of people and make these giant beings. So power peters very, it's very gonna, fast. <laughs> it's going to really matter on who, who dies is where it's really going to matter. Yeah, yeah so, just don't don't let that power get in the hands of someone very evil. <laughs> so backing backing up real quick, you guys were chatting about all the micros would be great spies and stuff, and I was sitting there thinking like, wouldn't just every border control point in the world then just have a really big fly swatter? Because oh, the gosh. micros would be like very obviously, oh look, the spy is showing up. 
Well, if, if, well, I guess it depends on how many micros there were, and and maybe like if the micro could do like a like a have a full size person suit where they could go in as a as a regular size person, and then once they're in the Kremlin or whatever, just you know, sneak out and leave the suit in a closet or something like that. Oh, you know, yeah. like how Pinky and the Brain Brain had the kind of the big person suit where it had the little brain head popping out of it. Oh, okay, well, something, if, something if you like were... that. Well, if it was a micro, Border Patrol would have a hard time catching them because you're not just going to waltz through the front gates. You're going to try to either dig through the fence or go through it kind of thing. So they would need, like, sensors on the fences and stuff and really small holes or something. Or or you could could hitch a ride on a full-size person, you know, that kind of thing. A micro does not just sashay into Mordor. (laughs) (laughs) One does not simply sashay into Mordor. So backing up to the other question, the moral conundrum, is it all completely matters about who dies. So this is, this is a, it's in a different clothing, but this is a classic moral philosopher's conundrum. And I'll present you the two extremes. So the one extreme, this is a common moral philosophy question, is let's say you're at a junction on a rail line and there's an out-of-control train. Mm-hmm. And down one junction, there are five people on the line. And down another junction, there's a guy, there's a hiker that's walking there. And you have the option of throwing the line to save the five people but kill the one. And a very, very high percentage of more than 90% will say, yes, that's the proper decision to make. Now, mm-hmm. at the other extreme, the, the conundrum is presented as you're a doctor and you have five patients that are going to die soon because they have failing organs. But you have recognized that there's someone sitting in the lobby, unrelated to everything else, who is perfectly healthy. But you could bring that person in, take his organs, kill him, and bring the other five alive. Almost 90% in the other direction call that completely immoral. Yeah. Right. In both cases, it's a five-to-one problem. And actually, there's a fine gradient of these, and they cross societal bounds, they cross religious bounds of it's just how we are programmed as an animal of what we consider fair if someone is collateral that is they are already involved in the event it's accidental like you said if they're already on the battlefield if they're already going to die it's no brainer if it's someone that you by your decision have to bring into the equation and well if it's not just an innocent bystander because it can't be anonymous if it's someone that you are involved in you have to go pick the person that'll die to make the macro you won't do it well, and, yeah. and also I think the idea of well, sane um, people won't do it. But, but but you know the idea yeah. of in a situation in a hospital, like you were saying, you know, what whatever caused those you know diseases, that is something, or, or you know, they're 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 whatever's causing them, they're about to die. I guess, um, you know, that is something that they. You know, they came in with, you know, it's not something that is just yeah. going to be a sudden, you know, uh, out of control tragedy like the train situation would. Um, well, and, and they, they have many fine gradients to this. If the disease is what's getting you, one of the ways they can portray it is the same situation with the train. And there's four people or five people on the line that are going to get killed. But you notice that there's a bridge that someone is sitting on that you could push them down and they would land on the tracks and slow the train down enough to stop it. Would you go right. push an innocent person to stop it to save the lives of five others? And again, high percentage of people would say no because they view that as a wrong act. 
And, right. and these these are really they're not fun questions, but it's 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 an entire. I think it's more a philosophy. It's really it's, really it's, interesting though. Yeah, that, they're designed to highlight that you will make an instant decision. You will know what you right. feel is right, but very often you have a trouble articulating why you feel that way. And this is going to make me sound like uh, an otaku. I don't even care. They're, they're eh. uh, that makes me think of two animes that would have to do with this. Um, Trigun, which uh, being Vash's Stampede. Again, don't want to spoil anything. But, uh, well, Trigun's been around forever. If you haven't seen that, you have problems. <laughs> sorry. Um, but, uh, no, I've not seen it. I don't watch anime. Sorry. Well, Trigun's anyway. awesome. You need to go watch it. Oh, here, let me get my DVDs and but, mail um, them to Quandary. Wow, I've <laughs> yes, seen something please. that Quandary hasn't seen. That's That, that surprises the hell out of me. For the record, though, the manga is way better than the anime, I think. And it's across the board, too, I think. But anyway. <laughs> of course so it is. Vash I mean, come Stampede. on. Vash's Stampede has this thing about him. Uh, I actually relate to him a lot. I was very, very surprised at how much I was like, hey, I'm pretty much Vash, because he always, always tries to save everybody, and does it. He actually goes through the entire series, and in the most bleakest of situations, manages to save everybody that he has power to. Like, it's, it's, it's like kinda- literally... You're bringing it's, it's, bringing it back to huh? the uh, to the sci-fi series that I or, or to the series the geek right. series that I do have credit or knowledge of Star Trek. Um, you yeah. know the Kobarashi Maru that Kirk you know is supposed to be the no-win <laughs> scenario and Kirk finds a way to right. uh, to right. win. And even even in the you know in that movie where they pr- do present an ultimate no-win scenario where Spock ends up dying in the long right. run, Kirk still wins because he's able to bring uh, Spock back. Right. Well, it's like, I mean, it, it sounds extremely fan, uh, fantasy, and even in the conundrum of the train or the the doctors, yes, there there's not a very big chance at all for saving everybody. But um, the, the idea behind that, whether it be fantasy or not, is that the human spirit always likes to see the good guy win, always likes to see the good come out of it. So... When you have to make a decision like that, I think the reason why it's so one-sided or not is because no one wants to feel guilty about that stuff. Everyone wants to see the good win out. So it depends on the sacrifice being made. If you're in the situation where the train is coming, you have no power to stop the train, so you would have the one be sacrificed to save the five. But if you were in the situation where you picked somebody, you wouldn't want to be the bad guy. You would want to see the good win out, but yeah. Conundrum. Well, and so, I think yep. bringing it more along the lines of like the specific scenario or the question that was asked um, regarding you know making macros, especially for a right. uh, a war scenario. Then you know, it's that, the notion. Why do you ask such a good question? Sorry, continue. Well, in that, in that <laughs> scenario, there are going to be people who would be willing to volunteer their lives for the good of their country. You know, that's right. how, that's that's always happened in in American history and, and in history mm-hmm. of you know many other countries going back you know thousands of years. Uh, right. People will die for for a uh, for the idea right. of a, of a nation for their people. See, that would be um, that would be the all that would be the hallelujah that would come right. down if someone was like sacrifice me to save these five. Then there'd be no issue. Like so there'd I, no be there'd be no guilt. Well, so, and that's the thing. I don't think that's where I, I think that there is the the removal of the kind of moral right. quandary. Uh, 
Conundrum, moral conundrum, <laughs> um, because because of the the idea that of, of patriotism, and, and and you know right. just thinking of that from a more personal standpoint, I was thinking since we were talking about September 11th, mm. you know my my cousin actually volunteered for the Air Force two months before 9/11, and oh. um, you know he had like a seven year commitment because that got him the best sign- signing bonus or whatever, and. and that was something that once September 11th happened was a big deal in my family. Like, okay, now he's going to be going right. to fight this war wherever oh he ends God. up going and end up, I think, in Afghanistan. Um, but that was something he, you know, even though he, he probably didn't had no idea that, you know, there was going to be a huge, uh, you know, attack and war on terror that long. You know, that that was part of the of the risk that he took, I guess, by signing up for the military. And I think that right. anyone. I don't want to say that anyone who signs up for the army or the military is going to be uh, willing to you know, do anything or lay, the, lay their lives on the line. Um, but yeah. that is that is part of the deal that they're signing up for, even if they don't intend that and to that necessarily just, happen. Oh, that yeah. just made me think of Attack on Titan again. Gosh dang it. Because <laughs> the people who sign up for the uh, the cadets, some of them haven't even seen a Titan. Some of them have. Yeah. So the people who haven't seen a Titan, once they see a Titan, they're like, what the crap did I get myself into? And then yeah. uh, also the, the other thing that made me think about it uh, in Full Metal Alchemist, um, Beerher Bradley is actually quoted as saying when you see a flashback to uh, the um, uh, the war that had taken place prior to that, uh, the, the, the leader of – I can't even remember the name now. I am the worst otaku ever. The uh, <clears throat> The dark-skinned – uh, Ishvalans. There we go. Whew. The Ishvalans actually offered up their, or their leader came up to fear her Bradley and was like, if you take my life and spare the lives of all of my children, then will you please stop? Fear her Bradley was like, what makes you so special? Your one life is worth one life. You're not any special. You can't just sacrifice your life to save hundreds of thousands and kills them on the spot. It just that whole thing about the you know sacrificing people for that. I mean, we create. I think in, in the minds. moral conundrum, he's an asshole. Well, yeah, he's the train. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, so yeah, I think so. So the the moral is in that lesson to be the train. Right. Don't don't be that train. <laughs> don't don't do it. The moral um, is to have time travel, you know, to have Cimarron with you, so you can go and uh, head, travel back and you know throw the brakes or fix whatever the issue that caused the <sighs> the train to come out of control in the first place. Oh, Cimarron, when are you? When we need you? Hey, did anyone write in and ask uh, answer the question about uh, going back in time? Where would you go? Kind of thing. Funny you mentioned that because in the next paragraph in the email that we were reading, Fruits and Ocean goes into that. Why don't you read on, Kenson? Okay, got it. Uh, to answer the question of the week, I would probably go to the time when Abraham Lincoln was shot. Lincoln played a huge factor in the eventual end of slavery, and I would like to see what else he would have done if he still lived. I'd be twenty feet tall to subdue John Wilkes Booth. Hopefully, my tall size would stop anyone else from trying to assassinate Lincoln again, even after the 12 hours are up. Glad to see the podcast is up and running again. Who's an ocean? That's interesting. I don't think anyone said Lincoln, did they? Well, no one else wrote in to answer the question, so no. Oh, really? Oh, Lincoln, <laughs> yeah. Lincoln, I've been thinking. I don't think you'd even have to be 20 foot tall to stop Lincoln. All you'd have to do is lock the box door uh, like it should have been locked. To stop, to stop Booth? John Wilkes? Yeah, to, yeah, Booth. Yeah, Lincoln's unstoppable, yeah. 
<laughs> He's on That's Macro. the thing. Maybe John Wilkes Booth was actually someone sent back in time because he knew that uh, Lincoln was actually going to go and uh, become uh, a dictator and and you know put everyone into he wanted in slavery so he could have his own personal uh, 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 servants and slaves. Now that would probably no no. Well, no actually, that doesn't make any sense. There are some discussions that uh, uh, Lincoln has such a good reputation because he died when he did. That well, the, assembly, same... the assembly of Reconstruction afterwards, where the Congress kind of put back together and went through all the fight to get the wartime powers back from the president, that all splashed onto Grant, who is generally rated as a horrible president. And he also had to put down open rebellion in the states that we just had this war over and deal with the fact that they didn't want to accept the congressional amendments. I mean, uh, it, it, had Lincoln stayed in office, he would have had more political capital uh-huh. than uh, who was his vice president this uh, Andrew Johnson uh, Johnson no one liked Johnson hey, he, was a, he was he was impeached he was the only the he was the first president to actually be well, impeached and he was only uh, acquitted by one vote he's a southerner uh, a southern democrat right. so none of the republicans like him because he's a democrat none of the northerners like him because he's a southerner right. none of the southerners like him because he's a turncoat he was willing to be vice president to Lincoln and so no one liked him. He couldn't get anything done, and he he wasn't exactly happy with everyone else. So, yeah. and, and I think that you know one of the things that Abraham Lincoln was just so adamant about was was the keeping the union together. And I think that after he died, there was a lot of Republicans in Congress. Uh, maybe not so much the presidents, because the Republican presidents after that were kind of weak, but. Uh, in Congress, who wanted to kind of punish the South, and oh yeah, that's and I think that has ended up causing a lot of the lingering uh, resentment that the South had towards the the North, even you know, even to this day, really, in, in in some pockets of the South. Oh, <laughs> I I grew up in Charleston and Virginia. Yes, I, yeah. I'm familiar with it. Well, it was about state rights. Yeah. State rights for what? Yeah. Well, for property, what kind of property? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I've been down. The down Confederate that States of America was kind of the only country that put the right to own slaves in their constitution or, or the declaration. I'm not sure if the constitution or the declaration. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and there's both sides of that argument that the yeah. Confederates used the exact same argument that the United States did with England. Legally, they're on the same standing. Uh, the, right. The moral, I, I, yeah, it's the moral issue. I think that we're talking the, about here. Yeah. Oh, totally. But anyway, I, I can talk about that for hours. Uh, so let's do that. I don't have to work until 6 no. a.m., so 6.30. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I was going to, if, if you had not had me on here, I was going to write in and say, my, I would not go back and do something like that for Lincoln because uh, I'm not so sure you could affect the change you want. And if my goal was to do good, the best place I could do good is in my own time. Uh, so what I would do is try and figure out some way of, okay, let's go look in history. Where was there a lost gold, gold hoard? Where was okay. there something I can do or change in the past? Uh, you know, go place a bet on a sports game I know or something that I can actually raise a large amount of money or so value basically in you the would, future. you would be Biff Tannen is what you would be. Nah, not that bad. You would, you would I, go back and, and give yourself I would com- complete, completely game time if I could. Uh, to if if my because your goal is to do good or do something with it aside from just being a time tourist, which would be a horrible waste of time, you know. Uh, <laughs> assuming you, know you couldn't bring, it's be- also assuming you can't bring anything back. You know, it's like I'm going to mm. go back in time and 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 get a mint 
Roman coin and bring it back or something, right. you know? We're using Terminator logic where you would be uh, sent back oh, and forth naked. Woohoo! Hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I want there to be dinosaurs, so I would stop the meteor. Yay. <laughs> and destroy all evolution as we know it, and then we would not have any, you know, you would basically destroy... That would create a paradox. <laughs> I'm just, there. I'm I'm just pretty sure no matter what you would do, you'd come back and forward in time and everything would be cheetahs and happy. <laughs> Yay! Everyone would have pyrovision. I did that for you, Dragonian. Alright, so go ahead and finish up the email there, Kenson. Oh, oh you, already, you already did. I'm sorry, you already, you already read that part. Never mind. Yes. Alright, so that's all the emails we have. Um, hey, well, Quandi, where would you go in time? I, I answered I it, though. You answered that. Um, oh, that's right. That's I, right. That's right. Oh, I forgot what I said, though, even though I listened to that when I edited it two days ago. Uh, you would go back to the last podcast. I think I said I said Pearl Harbor is what I said. Ah, yes. December 7th. And that was more of just something to think of uh, where I could have an effect. And it was – honestly, I probably wouldn't do that just because I think that that would, that would cause too much – there would be a lot of ramifications of, of, you know, causing Pearl Harbor not to happen that would be uh, potentially negative uh, or, or yeah. at least unknown. Right. And I said, uh, I said 9-11. So. Maybe that's idea. Yeah. Maybe like going and, and being able that to. Was, that was really interesting that he wanted to go to the Titanic. I mean, it's, it's, it's an epic thing. Everyone knows about it and as everyone has written about it, but it's like, okay. What what good can come out of it? Well, I mean, you could stop the Titanic from crashing and save people's lives. You would save Leonardo DiCaprio and get uh, him an Oscar. That's what yeah. I was yeah. And you would... Sink uh, it again. Maybe if the Titanic uh. never happened, James Cameron would never get all the clout from making Titanic, which in itself was a good movie. Um, and then he would never make uh-huh. Avatar, which in itself was a horrible movie. So oh, that would gosh. be a good... A good I haven't actually seen that. I was told to stay far, far away. It's not. It's it's pretty, but it's not a good movie. Visually amazing. It's it's not Ishtar bad. I never saw Ishtar. So Leonard Part Six. Nope. It's Pat. Uh, (laughs) Event Horizon bad. (laughs) You're seeing movies I've never seen. I know of these movies. I just never seen them. Oh Lord. Mm, How about um, the Room bad? Mega Force bad. Howard the Duck. Furry Force bad. (laughs) No. I haven't seen I haven't seen Howard the Duck. Yeah, you've you've seen Furry Force been. finally, Kenson? Yeah, he saw it uh, uh, he yeah. saw it while we were recording the podcast. Made me watch it. You know, oh, I thought watch. he was just making it up as he Benny? went along. No, he Benny? was we linked it. He was made watching me it. watch it. Dragonian <laughs> held him down and, and it's I, okay, I clamped Kenson. open his eyes all, like in Clockwork Orange. But <laughs> there was this one he was all sweaty and then, then this other one just uh, then you mode and <laughs> Someone needs to get this boy liquid television. All right, yeah, so it. Uh, since it looks like we've finished up with the emails and, you know, we've been recording for a little bit, I guess it's time that we can go ahead and draw the show to a close. Unless I'm going to draw that now. Just a giant paw stomping on, like, the Size Matters logo. We're drawing, quote-unquote, the to a close. Okay. We need to get a new uh, artwork now for the, the cover. Yes. Anywho, um, we I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'll just we paste. All pull together and get his uh, his uh, <laughs> get that auction that's going to end up being like a thousand dollars. No, uh, we could. I'll just paste Benny's head on top of Dragonian's body on the current. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, that would work. 
least but so can. the next next episode is coming up, episode twenty. We're, we're going to reach that milestone, and uh, it sounds like our topic is going to be macros and micros in classic literature. Well, not just classic, any kind of literature. Um, and we're going to have special guest, uh, friend of the show, because he's the one who gave me the bourbon, uh, Wolf Kid, <laughs> on, on board. The wolf, it does stomp. Those... Right, Benny? Right, Benny? Mm. That's right, Hell yeah. Benny. Okay. Yes. Oh yeah, he's like the only wolf too. He's the only wolf on Furrymuck. Hmm. If you do, if you do a species list, if you do a species listing of all of the characters on Furrymuck, and there are people that do this, you, they're all timber wolves and gray wolves oh, and macro wolves and, and red, red wolves. wolves. And he's like the only character. You know, his name is Wolf, and his wolf. species is Wolf. <laughs> so, on a quick side, on a quick side note, um, I've actually been. I got a sketch commission from him at TFF. And oh, I got, you met him? Yeah, yeah, I met him, and, and I was able to get that on the uh, the commission on the last day. And I've actually been uh, coloring it uh, because it's a picture of Talon uh, in a macro, my, my tiger character in a macro scenario where he is uh, having fun over a city, let's just say, to uh, to, to keep it vague. Um, but because, nice. I've, because I've been, you know, Talking to you, Benny, about bringing on, bringing you on board, and uh, also seeing other tigers and stuff like like uh, Kindle on Twitter and stuff. I just had macro tigers stuck in my brain, and so I've been having to to look at that and to uh, to work on that just to, to color it to uh, to you know it's, uh, keep my obsession going. I guess I don't know. <laughs> it's the stripes. It it's is, totally it the stripes. Is. Stripes are awesome. I earned mine. Yeah, and now I'm getting. Two pictures, two sketch commissions from Teaselbone with Colin in it too. So, really, I'm, I'm in so, a tiger obsession. <laughs> so, on the you next know, podcast, are you and I going to take a sharpie and connect all of Kenson's dots? Yeah, that was one of the, the ideas of the commission I had, uh, but I ended up not doing that. <laughs> oh, but why? Because tigers. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> but what, like it'll be fun anyway. to find out what spells on Kenson. Hmm. You know, does a picture come out when you connect them all? It's going to be the uh, dirtiest, be, the dirtiest picture you can imagine. It would be pause and more pause and some more pause and then more <laughs> and pause. pause on pause drawn on pause. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> if you do want to write us in, the podcast email is sizematterspodcast at gmail dot com, or you can send us a Twitter uh, at sizematterscast. And or find us on FA. You know, uh, I'm under Quandry. Kinson is under Kinson. And Benny is under Benny, right? Is just your yep. on, on FA. And yeah, it's early enough. Where the stomps feel the earthquakes, you'll know. And your Twitter handle is—is is it just biggest tickets or biggest tickets? Yep. So at biggest tickets on Twitter for him, uh, if you want to communicate or follow him. Benny, it's great to have you on board. I'm I'm so excited about the future here, uh, and I am, you know, I've had fun over the past. How many hours we've taken to record this and talk about this? I know that that's only going <laughs> to. This is a half episode, right? Yeah, it's, it's, right? it's still these half episodes still tend to be between sixty minutes and ninety minutes usually. But um, I just know that that fun's only going to grow as we continue and move forward. So uh, it's a great new future for Size Matters Cast, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. And I'm so glad you guys brought me on. This is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And now I've got Not to change from being a panda for the podcast to being a tiger, so I can fit in with the other two big cats that I have around me. Herng. But uh, okay, so uh, all of you guys Don't out there. To a word that's I not say. our theme. Hi! 
this kid? Use that for like two episodes. Come on. No. Uh, <laughs> so join us next week when we are uh, joined by ooh. Wolf. Yes, yes, Kenson. I, 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 you don't have to include this in the actual recording, but I had an idea for the closing song. Because I'm happy if you feel like a roof without a roof. Sorry. No. I think I may just use walking on sunshine. Aww. Because you're, wa- you cause you're so on big. The That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, you're so big that Yay. it's... I don't know. I just want to do something that's like really upbeat, I guess. To, to, so if, if, we're not, if we're not on podcast right now, what um, is the, uh, what's being said in Japanese in the, the current intro? We kind of are, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not editing this out, but I don't know because that's just something that was a Apple loop in, uh, in Logic or GarageBand or whatever. So I, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's anything actual and real. It's probably something benign. Hopefully it's nothing horribly offensive. I, I, I doubt, I doubt Apple account. would include that in, in their list. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. All right, so uh, you guys out there, have a, uh, a great rest of the weekend. Watch out for those stripes and spots. Right. They are coming for you. I'm coming for you. Have a good Take weekend. Take care. Bye. Have big fun. <laughs> <laughs>